Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Wish Alliance's Cosmic Conversations. I'm your host, Sheila Seppi, and tonight we have our beloved Phil Gruber back with us again. And Phil is featured in the critically acclaimed film, The Indigo Evolution. His passion, enthusiasm, kind spirit, sparkling wit, and intelligence has made him a much-loved and highly respected in-demand speaker on the international scene. He has been described as a magical genius with a heart of pure gold. He's acknowledged worldwide as one of the foremost teachers of sacred geometry, light language, the indigo children, advanced healing systems, the structure of the angelic worlds, ET contact, and the ever-expanding repertoire of fascinating subjects. He has spoken at the United Nations in his first book, The Kabbalah Code, a collaboration with James Twyman, has been published by Hay House. Tonight, he's going to give us a crash course in our cosmic history, and this history goes back further than most people suspect. The original angelic humans known as the initiates or the Terranusiums was created 56 million years ago in response to a crisis in which the stargates that control the entrance and the exit points to our time matrix was under siege by um, a consciousness that lost its ability and its self-willed transmutational dimensional ascension process. So tonight, Phil is going to talk with us all about these angelic races and where we all fit in. So Phil, come on up. Thanks for being here with us again. Thank you. Actually, I'm not. Uh, oh, you're you not? Read the, you just read the description for the talk I'm going to give at the hybrids conference. Wonderful. <laughs> Yes. So you guys have now got a preview. You know you have That's to come right. to the Hypers Conference. So get signed up. Tonight, yeah, that's not, that's really exciting. But that's for uh, that's for um, that's for the Hybrids Conference um, okay. tonight. But that was very exciting to hear, actually. Um, tonight we're going to talk about morphogenetic science. We're going to talk about when we talk about this this quest to understand who we are, what we are, where we come from, where we're going. Tonight, we're going to talk about the substance of what we are. We're going to talk about the physics and metaphysics of consciousness and creation. We're going to talk about the anatomy of source. We're going to talk about ultra micro particles. We're going to talk about the stuff that dreams are made on. We're going to talk about true morphogenetic science, which is one of my favorite things in the whole world to talk about. So I'll probably go on for about an hour and a half. Then we're going to stop the recording, but then hang on because I'm going to do a very, very special process that usually that we do in our personal, private, one-on-one -on -one or group mentorships, those programs. Um, but it's a very, very special process and I want to share it with you but I can't have that recorded. So we'll just do that after the recording stops. Okay. And hopefully I can share the screen and hopefully my PowerPoint is still there. Let's see. All right. From the current, from the beginning. There you go. Can everybody see this? 
Can everybody hear me? We can hear you and see you. Teletubbies. This is really good. I want to start with this because I just want to remind everybody that dreams can come true. Dreams can come true. And, it's, and by the way, I just want to tell you, it's not true what they say about Lala. <laughs> you know, okay, whatever that is. All right, here we go. I'd like you to consider this a meditation. I'd like you to consider this a true initiation or activation. This is going to stimulate a lot of memory because the memory is there. You know, the, the mystery, the first mystery is truly within us. It is in our DNA. That's where the mystery is. That's where the knowledge of ourselves is. It's in our DNA. DNA, you know, as you know, it does function. It's a chemical lens. DNA, each strand of DNA is a filter that allows, I probably should get this off. Okay, there we go. Oh, here's another good one. You know, Spider-Man made his first appearance in what's in Amazing Fantasy number 15. It's a Marvel comic. But before he got his first issue, he made his first appearance in Amazing Fantasy, adult fantasy, by the way, the magazine that respects your intelligence, uh, in Amazing Fantasy number 15. This is Amazing Fantasy number 11. I love this one. <laughs> Do strange, sinister creatures walk among us in human form? Well, the answer to that is an unequivocal, yeah. All right, here we go. The DNA, you, you know, the DNA, as you know, it functions as a chemical lens. That's a filter that allows dimensionalized portions or harmonics of the wholeness of the consciousness that we are to embody these portions of the wholeness of consciousness that we are, the wholeness of what we are, there's an old angelic word and it's called unisci. And the word unisci means the source that breathes, the breathing rhythm of the cosmos. The unisci is the cosmic matrix. It is also the center of the cosmic matrix. And the center of the cosmic matrix exists within the unisci. The unisci is the point. It could be the point of light in the mind of heart of God, in the mind and heart of God. It is the point out of which energy is projected and the final point to which energy is drawn back. The center of the unisci of God's source soul that is, the center of creation is a point of stillness. This is the void, the great void. This is the absence of motion. Like in the center of the vortex, you have the asymptote. There is stillness. It can't be measured. The unisci source, it, you, it can't be measured. Any, any attempted definition is gonna imply fragmentation, separation. The wholeness of that which is fragmented, can it be fully known? Can it be only through the experience of it? You take a hologram of an apple, you tear it into a hundred pieces, 
you're not going to get 100 apples. You're going to get 100 pieces. But with coherent laser light, you can construct the wholeness out of every piece. Every piece of that wholeness contains the wholeness. But like in laser holography, which I always recommend people studying a little bit, studying optics, fiber optics, you'll understand that contained within every piece indeed is the wholeness. So take a breath. I really want you to consider this a true initiation. Here we have the Ancient of Days. Beautiful. I got to see these originals in Paris many years ago. Very, very powerful. People couldn't even get close to this. This is William Blake. This is the Ancient of Days. 1794 represents what's called Urizen or Urizen, the first entity. It's one of God's titles in the book of da uh, Daniel, the Atik Yomin, eternity perfection. It's a watercolor, it's a relief etching. I love this. God is the great geometer, right? I love this. That's all you need is the compass in a straight line to produce all the geometrical forms that are really the elements of creation in our world. And here you even, you have God as the great geometer, you have the Christian God as the divine architect, the compass here as the tool of creation. I think this is 13th century from a, an illuminated manuscript. I think it was around 1250. The Christian God as a divine architect. I used to believe in uh, what's that, uh, the divine architect except, you know, where God decided to put the prostate gland. Why would God put the prostate around the bladder? I think this is either a design error or some, you know, meant to vex us. Because you know us men, by the time we get to a certain age, most of us, if not all of us, have some prostate problems. Why, oh, why is the prostate located where it is? I do not know. Anyway, but this is... <laughs> God, God is the great geometer. God or the Christ in you or the Christos as a divine architect. There are many, many beautiful illuminated manuscripts. And these manuscripts are meant to illuminate you. You really look at this. You look at the, the, the form. You look at the, the colors. You look at the placement. Of, of, of the objects in here. There are so many levels of code, so much information to be accessed from these beautiful illuminated manuscripts. Here we have, here we have the, this is Da Vinci's John the Baptist. My mother, I told you, 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 for those of you that know me, you know, my mother almost passed out when she saw this. This looks exactly like me in my late teens, early 20s. And I have had a connection with John the Baptist my entire life. Even when I see King of Kings now, you know, the one with Jeffrey Hunter, when John the Baptist gets, you know, when he's there in the, when he has his final visit with Jesus, I always, I mean, projectile, these aren't crocodile tears. I've always had this connection with John the Baptist. My mother always told me growing up, just, um, what does she say? Keep your head on your shoulder. You'll lose your head if you're not careful. I don't know. Anyway, John the Baptist, whose true name was Azuria, was one of the translators of what we call the Cloister Dora Torah. 
the 12 holographic disks, which is, I, we believe, the source of all higher information, the physics and metaphysics of consciousness. John the Baptist, along with Yeshua Sananda Melchizedek, his half-sister Miriam, many other beings that have come to us through time. They were translators, either direct or remotely transmitted, tra translated the information held in these Dora Torah plates. The holy Dora Torah, the, um, the eternal Dora Torah, John the Baptist, Azurian made translations of what's called the, the, the Book of the Cloister Races, the lineages, the angelic lineages, the extra meta ultra terrestrial lineages, the founders races, our elders races. Our history as humanity goes back at least 560 million years. And the history of our time matrix goes back at least 950 billion years. And that was maybe the last, the most recent outbreath of the great mother, the Unisci, the source that breathes. John the Baptist made translations of the books of Amenti, creation, ascension mechanics, the books of process, the books that describe the Emerald Covenant of Aramatena, the book of the, 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 the creation agreements, the agreements, the earliest covenants made by the founders races, the Rishi, the Brenau Rishi, 950 billion years ago, that ultimately resulted in the creation of the angelic human to be guardians, custodians of the Templar, the planetary Templar, the interplanetary Templar, the series of stargates, many of which give you direct access to what's called the metagalactic core, the eighth dimension, the original entrance and exit points of consciousness in this time matrix. John the Baptist, right? This is, um, I've showed this before. This also looks exactly like da Vinci's John the Baptist. This is a very interesting photograph. It's not even the whole photograph. Um, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to get in touch with an old friend who's got the full photograph. This was a, pho a photograph given, uh, to supposedly the, the story that I'm familiar with is that a woman was abducted by, I think it was Pleiadians. They returned her, but they kept her camera. And they said that at a later date, they would return her camera with images from Earth's past. This is not the whole picture. Behind these three is a, li a line of men walking. I think there's 11 of them or 12 walking single file in what looks to be like a desert. This could either be Peter or probably Joseph Arimathea. This is the being we affectionately call Yeshua Nine. Beautiful man. And this, I don't know, this has been a, we've been debating about this for a very long time. Could it be John, the beloved disciple? Could it be Mary Magdalene? Could it be John the Baptist? Who knows? Very interesting photograph, right? I have seen when we talk about the cloister door Torah plates, you know, I've tried to get into the Vatican archives forever, but I don't need to. I got to the door, knocked on the door. Um, but um, I have seen libraries with my very own eyes 
then make the Vatican libraries look like your local public library. These are usually located under monasteries. Greg Braden, uh, many, many years ago, showed some photographs of these libraries. They, they're underground, again, usually located under monasteries. They go on for miles and miles and miles. These are translations, transcriptions, generation after generation of monks transcribing and retranscribing information accessed either directly or remotely from these Dora Torah plates. Understanding reality, the hologram of reality, it's a complex system of energetic constructs, all built upon dimensionalized sets of scalar grids that we'll talk about in a minute. Fields of standing wave points, okay? Take a moment and breathe, because here we go. Hang on to yourselves. <clears throat> here, it, here it begins, okay? Take your geometry, light language is written in the language of light. The alchemists knew these as the language of birds, alphabets of wave patterns, all built on a, on a lexicon, a vocabulary of wave patterns. The elements of creation are these wave patterns. And you, and you look at channelers of light language these days, they're beginning to sound very much the same, very, very similar. There's a little bit of Native American, a little bit of kind of like Oriental languages in it because these are mainly Pleiadian and Syrian languages. They're the first that people will normally channel. The first languages that people will channel are the ones that are closest to us genetically. And the language that are, languages that are closest to us genetically are the languages of the original angelic human race, Mua, Anuhazi, Vatan, Vatanian. These are languages of waveforms. Wave the elements of creation are wave patterns. Here we go. Where does it begin? Of course, it begins with the unisci, but the unisci has two components. There is the still point, the absence of substance, the void. Then there is substance. What is the substance of creation? What is the substance of the unicide? What is the substance of God source, all that is? Because the substance sets the original tonal vibration. The world is music that creates the base electromagnetic force this base electromagnetic force is the foundation for all structure. And we need to remember that it is conscious, it is sentient, it is aware, it is alive. These are identities in energy, okay? The substance of the unisci we call partic particai, okay? Where it is, there it is. This is a unit of, these are the small, smallest units of energetic substance. And we need to remember that they are alive. They are conscious. They are sentient, aware and awake and alive. The particle is a unit of antimatter. It is a unit of sound vibration, electrified sound. This is the substance of the unicide. And it represents ultimately the fabric of which the cosmos is woven. 
the fabric of consciousness is composed of units of conscious energy. And these, unions, these units of conscious energy, they are called particae. The particae, okay, where's my cursor? The particae, the particum, the particae are, is the substance of the cosmos. Here is how it works. I'm gonna turn on my camera for a second. Here you have a particle unit. In Sanskrit, it's very, very similar. It's a unit of sound, but that unit of sound within it is a program that it will emerge. This particle unit is omnipolar. What do we mean by omnipolar? It holds both the polarities of what will manifest as electricity and magnetism, but it's in a state of potential creation or manifestation. From this unit of anti-matter, not anti, anti-matter, this unit is a unit of electrified sound, sound, the void, non-manifest, manifest to, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> what's called a particum, and a part of K, two units of light, bipolar light. Light is bipolar. Light is both electrical and magnetic wave and particle. This is why light presents itself as wave and particle. They're created simultaneously from a unit of sound. The unit of sound flashes on into light, an omnipolar polar unit of sound, sound vibration, Electrified sound, the particle emerges through a process of fission and fusion eternally as two units of sound, bipolar sound. But guess what? It, it folds back into sound. Sound, light, sound, light, sound, light. Particle pulsation. These are the smallest units of energetic consciousness. All identities are composed of this. All reality, all creation is composed of these particle units. What is a dimension? A dimension is a frequency band. What is frequency? Frequency is the number of oscillations in a given unit of time. What's oscillating? What's oscillating is light emerging as, uh, a sound emerging as light. A unit of sound emerging as bipolar light, electrical and magnetic light. These particle units, basis of all reality, all creation, based in magnetism. The particle unit, all universes, all creation based on electricity, particum, matter, particle, antimatter, particle, antiparticle, matter, antimatter, particum, particle. This is it. They will begin to group by like polarity. Any the higher the dimension, the faster oscillation rhythm. Oscillation frequency, the number of oscillations in a given unit of time. Faster oscillation, higher frequency. They begin to group by like polarity and they form the grids. These are the grids that everybody talks about, okay? This is the magic carpet, okay? Take a good look, because again, the particle emerge through the unicide, okay? And it is through the unicide that they emerge in the form 
of Partikai. The Unisai is the point out of which energy is projected. And the Unisai is the final point out of which energy is drawn back as it recycles through the energy matrix. The movement of expansion and contraction, expanding and contracting vortexes that give the field effects of mag magnetism and electricity. This keeps the cosmos perpetually in motion and can be viewed as the source that breathes. The intrinsic motion of the, of the cosmos itself perpetuates itself through an act of simultaneous polarization and depolarization. And it constitutes an eternal act of synchronized fission and fusion upon and, upon and through and within all macrocosmic and microcosmic realities built. Now, the reality of God, of the Unisci, it can only be described through analytical means, but it can only be known through the attributes of consciousness, okay? These part, the substance of the Unisci, this sets the, the particle, sets the original tonal vibration that creates the base electromagnetic force, which is the foundation for all structure. And that structure is conscious, it's sentient, it's aware. And this substance itself is the organizational structure and operating intelligence of the cosmos, of the energy matrix. You see that these particle will ultimately group into very, very complex geometrically arranged grids, templates of conscious energy. These are the particle grids. These are the basis. This is the underlying carpet of morphogenetic fields. What's, what is a morphogenetic field? Morphogenetics, the genesis of shape. How does something come into shape in our world? It needs a blueprint. It needs a structured schematic or a template. It needs like that skeletal structure. It needs this magic carpet, this fabric of crisscrossing light, light and sound codes. They group by like polarity. You see, this is what it is. The grids, they're layers of, uh, you will see, of interwoven geometrical shapes composed of what? Light and sound around which these particle units will crystallize. Eventually, the particle units, through a process that's called transduction, will begin to crystallize first in the shape of very simple crystals. The first verse of Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. That's one translation, but there's a deeper translation. You know, all these old books and the pages, they're strings of letters without breaks to know where the words are. But there are very special formulas that you learn as an initiate where to separate the letters into words. And a much truer, deeper translation of the first verse of Genesis is, in the beginning, God created a thorn or something thorn-shaped with six edges. God created a six-edged thorn. 
That's actually a more truer, accurate translation of the first verse of Genesis. Sure, God created the heavens and the earth, but it did, but he did it in the shape of thorns with six edges. God is defining a tetrahedron because if Genesis is a blueprint for creation, which it is, why would it not start with the simplest volumetric forms? Huh? The simplest of the platonic solids, the building blocks of all creation is pyramidal. It's tetrahedrons. You follow Dorothy's journey in Oz and it forms a tetrahedron. These are called kilons. And the reason that, and so the kilons will crystallize on these particle grids. Of course, it starts here. And we've all seen this symbol. There are actually three intersecting spheres or circles. Starts with the particle. Again, very similar in many, many ancient languages, the particle grids. Then these are called kilons, the crystallizations of the thoughts of God. Kilons, crystallizations, frozen sounds and light codes. And through the processes, again, of transduction, you will have these kilon codes. The kilons provide the energetic thrust and their waveguides, they will guide the waves. These are like the pebbles you drop in the ocean or in a pond, creating these wave patterns, these interfering sort of holographic wave patterns. Change the angular orientation of one of these crystals and you'll get a different manifestation. These are waveform generators. And these wave fronts created the thrust and the direction. What distinguishes one substance from another? It's the angular orientation of their atomic molecular structure, the angular angelic orientation. These create wave fronts. You throw another pebble in, you get another, you get another wave, you get different wave, a different wave front. The wave fronts are converted to electrical impulses. All thoughts, all words, chanted, sung, spoken, they're going to convert into electrical impulse. These wave fronts are converted to electrical impulse by a process called transduction. And ultimately, what's called the theta wave front arrives from outside your skull, sets up a resonance within the five sections of your cranial bone plates a five-fold standing wave pattern interacts with the liquid crystal structure of your brain, vibrating through harmonic resonance with the brain structures that match the frequency. DNA, your brain is a transducer from energetic patterns to physical matter particles. Universal healing energy, we know this, is amplified through the unique molecular structure of the crystals, the Reiki symbols. If you practice Reiki out there, I'd love to talk to you one day about the anatomy, the symbols, what the symbols actually are. Sound is the architect for the vessel, the container that creates matter. Our human brains are prisms filtering cosmic light. The visual systems in the brain function as frequency analyzers. Since again, frequency is a measure of the number of oscillations per unit in time. The brain itself functions like a hologram. The brain translates, interprets light. 
The fundamental nature of matter is knowable through these wave patterns, interwoven configurations of wave patterns. Geometrical architecture is at its very core created through harmonic waves of energy. Nature unfurls things in these holy intervals. The pattern inaugurates the vibration. Shapes are caught and crystallized in time at a particular time. The fifth dimension contains the pattern. Fourth dimension is a link between mind and matter. Hebrew alphabet, we'll talk about in a minute. Why are these called fire letters? All these are interpretations and visualizations of the wave pattern created by, through the process of transduction, these kilon crystals. Kilons, again, are crystallizations of frozen sound and light, mainly frozen sound. This could be a thought. And all these Hebrew letters, 22 major letters, five final forms, each of these is actually the same shape modeled on a human hand, saw, observed from different viewpoints, from different perspectives. We know this. The reason they're called fire letters is because all the alphabets of creation are based on tetrahedral symmetry, the spin axes of a tetrahedron. Uh, Jane is a wonderful, wonderful teacher of sacred geometry. Um, I really, really high re highly recommend Jane, J-A-I-N, Jane's talks. We'll get back to this in a minute. But um, again, while we talk about this, we'll go back to this in a minute. Look at this. This is from an old uh, Rosicrucian manual. It's called the ABCs of Rosicrucianism. I actually have one of, it was a written beautiful, illuminated uh, manuscripts in old and high German and beautiful plates like this. It's, um, it's hand-bound, beautiful volume. The ABCs of Rusha Krishna, you can have this also in um, In 1919, 200 facsimiles were made, hand-bound, beautiful color lithographs. Well, this is the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Well, what is the knowledge of the tree of good and evil? It's always been these three intersecting circles or spheres. You even have the die, you even have the omnipolar particle unit holding the potential to express itself as both electricity and magnetism, expanding, contracting vortexes. And here it is. Here's the magnetic particle unit, right? The basis of all particle matter universes. Here's the electrical antiparticle, antimatter particle unit. They cycle back and forth. Sound, light, omnipolar sound, bipolar light. Light is both electrical and magnetic. They haven't figured this out yet, which is why it presents as both wave and particle. They'll get to it eventually. They're trying to figure this out. This is why I wore, why I wore my, my CERN t-shirt today. I'll show you if anybody's noticed here. Anyway, see? CERN. Doing nasty things there at CERN. Talk about that a little bit later. But this, the knowledge of good and evil, is the knowledge of, of reality. Like the, like, um, the triskelion, these interlocking Archimedean spirals, the triple spiral, 
they exhibit what's called rotational symmetry. You see this all the time. Some of the oldest art in the world is these triskelions, Celtic art, art throughout all of creation. This, the basic, basic pattern. Again, the particle, the particum, and the particle, vibration, frequency, creation, fission, and fusion. This is Nicholas Rorick. This is his, um, I always can't remember, the Madonna in Flama something, Madonna, the great uh, Russian explorer, mystic, amazing artist. I was married, well, my second marriage, um, in front of this original painting in New York, the Rorick Museum, the Nicholas Rorick Museum. Beautiful, beautiful. Same thing, this is his peace symbol. Same thing, you see this in, in art. You see this everywhere. Fire letters, the fire letters, the fire letters composing each dimensional band. They first manifest in electrical waveforms. They're called ionic particulates, myons, dions, trions, and they serve as the carriers of the primal force and consciousness. They are micro subatomic carriers a primal, tri, what's called tri-force, okay? They're tangible wave force substance, thought, consciousness, energy, and composed. These ionic particulates are the templates upon which particle and antiparticle and antiparticle subatomic units manifest into external perceivable subatomic and atomic structure. These, this is a structure through which the hologram of matter is projected. Myons, dions, they project outward into the hologram, subatomic units. This is the key, it's the key of all creation. Know thyself, and it's all in your DNA. We'll talk about the DNA in a minute. Um, Madonna Oriflama, that's what it is. The Madonna Oriflama, Nicholas. Rorick, where do we go next? Yes, Elon's colons. I'm trying to compress a lot of this information into a very short period of time. But if you're interested, I'm going to start a, a three or four part course that really gets into the fabric of creation. And I really hope that many of you can join me um, for that one. Okay. Um, colon, Elon. Colom. A colom is a geometrical ray pattern. Colombs, again, drawn with powdered chalk. South Indians, Native Americans. So the colom is a geometrical array pattern, right? These are geometrical array patterns. Colombs, kilons, the orientation, again, of these kilons provide the thrust. And the direction, the reason that these letters, these fire letters are the elements of creation. And again, they're called, they're waveguides because consciousness uses the shape of the letter to guide the wave. The wave is guided through the structure of the letter itself. And these and all the major arcana, the tarot encodes all the 22 major arcana carry the energetic programs, the wave programs of all the original Hebrew letters and the, and the letters of all sacred alphabets. Um, 
in the case of Enoch, key 110 speaks of the language of light, the language systems of light that was given by the higher revolution to the star seeds of the planet. Okay, this is true that when you see them, they prime the thought vibrations, the languages will open up crystalline channels of vibration through the process of thought transduction and communication. The letters themselves are the elements of creation. They will open up the gates of light, the share aura. Joseph Gikatilia, great tablets, will talk about in a minute. This is a thought. You don't like the way that thought is manifested? You, you, you project another thought with another arrangement of crystals or an energetic waveform that's going to change the orientation of these crystals, giving you a different wave front. These are thoughts. The higher evolution sees all of our thoughts in terms of these Keylon clusters, like crystal clusters. Again, starting with the Partikai, the Partikai grids, the Keylon grids. Okay. You see it all throughout history. Polons, the Theosophists called it Poilon. I love this. This is Granville, the great illustrator, the secret of celestial mechanics. The magician blows worlds, right? from soap bubbles, but look what he's got on his head. He's got the Taurus. I love this. These illustrations are so amazing. The Theosophists, um, their concept was called koilon. You heat up water. The water is the void. The water is the stillness. You heat it up. It starts to bubble. You turn the heat down. The bubbles disappear back into the void. You turn the heat on and off, on and off. You get this phenomenon called koilon. Manifestation, demanifestation. Manifestation, demanifestation. Bubbles up, bubbles disappear back into the void. Frequency, when the bubbles appear faster, you get a rolling boil. It's a higher frequency. It's a higher dimension. Their concept of it was called koilon. Koilon, kolon, kilon. It's, they're talking about the same thing. Take a breath. Take a nice deep breath. Okay, what do we have next? Stan Tenen, the amazing Stan Tenen. Whoops. Meru.org, Meru, M-E-R-U.org. Stan figured it out, whoops. Stan figured it out. He took a, a, a tube torus, what's called the seven color map. You have the seven colors. There's a spiral vortex that delineates the borders of all these seven colors. Each color is in contact with the other six colors. But you extract the spiral vortex out of that donut. You put it inside the meeting tent, the flame inside the meeting tent. You project light from different angles and the shadows on the wall will give you the structure of all the major letters of the Hebrew and many other sacred alphabets. This is why you can't go wrong. It's the system is so perfect. If a letter was missing out of one of these sacred texts, you would know what letter it was because the secret, the real secret of the sacred text and the Bible codes is the position of the letters on the page, not these acrostical crossword puzzle type stuff that most people understand as the Bible code. It's the, it's the placement of the letters on symmetrical axes. 
that produced very, very powerful wave fronts, standing wave fields. The reason you feel so good at a sacred place, uh, let's say, is the geometrical architecture. Sure, it's the it's the stones and everything, and it's the properties that the stones have that can amplify and focus the energy and direct it here and there. But it's the geometrical placement, pretty much creating standing wave fields that you have these series of revelations. Stan Tenen, Meru, M-E-R-U.org. And that's the same shape, by the way. This is the same shape made to fit in your hand and around your thumb. Because the hand is what we use to many more us Jews and Italians, the way we gesticulate. If we couldn't gesticulate, we couldn't talk. It's a true thing. When I stopped smoking, I couldn't talk for weeks because we need our hands to talk, to project outward. So it's the same shape. It's the same shape. This spiral vortex, more accurate when you carve it out of an apple. That's why the apple is the key to the knowledge of good and evil. It's the geometry of the apple. Okay. Gates of light, Joseph Gicatilia, gates of light, the gates of light. These wave fronts, the electrical impulse created by these wave fronts are mathematical programs that open up what's called the gates of light, the gates of light within us. Remember, the hologram of reality, again, is an extremely complex system, extremely complex system. And the particle are the units of conscious energy that emanate as electrotonal impulse from the central source of the unici. Important to go over as many times as we need to to understand that the particle group I like polarization to form these strands or these fibers of energetic substance that they operate in a way similar to earthly fiber optics. To understand the metaphysics and the actual physics of consciousness and creation, study a little optical holography or fiber optics. That's the key. In the Seth material, I had the honor of listening to Jane Roberts being in some of those rooms. When Seth talked about the vibrating strings, the vibrating strings or wires, this was string theory. If they would just drop their attitudes, man, these mainstream theoretical plasma particle physicists and read the Seth material with an open mind, they would totally understand what string theory is. Seth laid it out in the 70s and even before that about vibrating strings, vibrating wires. It's through the particle that the unici is able to project portions of its awareness in the form of electrical pulsations through the webwork of particle strands and into the infinite forms of creation. You see, the cosmic matrix itself is literally composed of particle strands. And they serve as the operational, they serve as the organizational structure and the literal operational intelligence of the energy matrix of consciousness and creation. The energy matrix, the time matrix, the 15 dimensional harmonic universes contained within these structures, the particle strands, they will group 
they'll group following patterns set by the Unisci intelligence. Who directs them? Who directs them? Who's giving the direction? Well, it's the intelligence of God. You can ask why, 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 why till the cows get home. Even after the cows get home, like little children, why, 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 why? Even the letter Y, you've got the straight and narrow, but then it splits. Even the letter Y is the mystery, right? The, the part of Chistrians group following patterns set by the intelligence of God that flows through them into these complex geometrically arranged grids or templates of energy. And again, the templates formed by the Partikai, they're called the Partikai grids. And they serve as the literal energetic substance and order upon which all matter, antimatter, pre-matter consciousness is built. They exist within the structure of the unicide. Nothing happens outside of God, as do all aspects of consciousness, but they represent the building blocks. Okay? The earth scientists, they haven't yet discovered the existence of the particle. They're trying, or the grids that they form, because they, so they haven't really identified the primary unifying element of creation. That's it. Once you identify or even have a sense, a feeling, folks, of the primary unifying element of creation, through which all life forms are eternally and intrinsically linked, you're almost there. You're home. You didn't know it. You know, the healing of humanity will, for, for that to, to occur, we're going to need to discover or rediscover the common core of creation. Right, Suze? <laughs> the, the, the original common core of creation through which we all emerged. Everything exists. The grids, they're conceptualized as this woven fabric of laser beams, interwoven gossamer threads, geometrical electrical constructions of the particle, and the flows through all things, the magic carpets in the Arabian Nights. This is what they are, okay? Everything in existence is indelibly connected to every other thing through the underlying fabric of these morphogenetic fields for something to come into manifestation our thoughts create these grids whoops there's an anatomy to our thoughts and what we do in the healing we do is simply an informed application of dynamics of energy built behind beyond built upon a comprehension of this okay Particai, particae, particum, okay? The particae, again, they're units, particae units that carry configurations of tonal rhythms, which operate as an expansion pulse. The particum is a contraction pulse, okay? The particae are pulses of energy, that project electrically charged units of consciousness into the cosmic matrix, perpetually replenishing and maintaining the electro-tonal consciousness life force throughout all the experiential fields of the cosmic matrix. 
The particae units, the particae, sorry, represent the creation pulse of the cosmos and all forms contained within them. The particle sets the base electrical pulse, expansion pulse that fuels the universe. The particle are the particle units that simultaneously set in motion, that are simultaneously set in motion by the projection of the particle. Whereas the particle represent an expansion pulse, right? The particle represent the counter reaction of a contraction pulse through which identities, energy, consciousness is projecting inward, outward, and inward. The particle sets in motion the base magnetic, uh, magnetic pulse, electrical contraction. These are both electrical phenomenon. Expansion and contraction are both electrical phenomenon. The particle and the particle are created together at each pulse of the unicide. And they set and hold together the base electromagnetic dynamics of fission and fusion that keeps energy and identity circulating through the cosmos. Again, it's not necessary to understand the intricate workings of this unless you're gonna teach it. But as far as personal enrichment and to accelerate biological spiritual evolution, it's important to understand the basic premises the geometrically constructed energetic grids composed of these particle and the crystalline structures that consciousness is composed of and how these grids directly connect you to the multidimensional aspects of your identity as well as to all things on the planet, the galaxy, the cosmos. The particle grids are our direct, eternally present connection to the universe and to the unisci the creative source out of which humanity and all other things have emerged. These particle grids hold together. They hold together and direct the operation of the genetic code. Whoops. Okay. And thus will ultimately determine the manifestations we experience. Okay. Much more to talk about with the grids and the kilon, the programming. I love this. But let's move on. Um, when we talk about the gates of light, we got to talk about, we talk about Kabbalistic, the Kabbalistic tree of life, right? And the path working in Kabbalistic tree of life. Well, the authentic tree of life is called the Cathar grid, which we'll probably talk about at the next talk. This is the first grid on, this is the core grid underlying everything. The cathara centers, the spheres, the lines. This is the first grid where thoughts begin the process of transduction into light. And for true and lasting healing to occur, you've got to access this core grid. The reason they call the Kabbalistic tree of life, the anatomy of the body of God, because this will program all more externalized grids. The axiotonal lines, they look like the acupuncture meridians, but they're a much, much deeper flow. These are vertical lines of polarized electromagnetic lines of force. And there's a synchronized rotation where they pass through each other, they intersect. 
and where polarized lines of energy consciousness intersect, you create what's called the dyadic meiotic point system. You create chakras. Chakras are simply the vortexes created by the intersections of these axiotonal lines. Eric Pearl, his reconnection work was originally inspired by the Keys of Enoch and the Keys of Enoch's descriptions of the axial or the axiotonal lines. And these are the gates of light, are the meiotic dyadic point. They are the chakras, major chakras, the 11th and the 12th axiotonal lines. And this, by the way, gives programs the DNA. DNA is programmed at that level. Where we go. Okay. Everywhere, um, there's a synchronized rotation again of these axiotonal lines when they cross on the central uh, channel, vertical current of the body. These are the major chakras. They are the major crossing points of the 11th and the 12th axial lines, which hold the programs on the 11th and 12th cathara grid, which will ultimately program the 11th and the 12th cathara grid and the, uh, the, the 11th and the 12th DNA strands. These are all the gates of light. These wave fronts, the thoughts, the thoughts that we use to heal, to hurt, they're all converted into electric, these wave fronts are converted into electrical impulse. And that electrical impulse is a mathematical program. These are all locks. They're all like energetic locks, but there are keys to open all these locks. This is what Gikatilia is talking about, the gates of light. If you need more illumination, if you need to communicate with a very specific angelic or meta or ultra terrestrial identity, these are the passageways. These are the gates of light, open like electromagnetic locks. This is the key dimensional lock system. Reiki symbols open these. Most healing systems open these, right? When we talk about Tamiyas, when we talk about, um, give me a second here. Okay. Actually, you all take a breath now, okay? These create, how does the wavefront create? Why are these magical squares, right? This is the three level, three order magical square, because as you can see, this is the magical square of Saturn. This is the key, folks. You have this where the numbers will one through nine, they'll all add up to the same number, 15. Up and down and across, 15. 15, 15, that's what makes it a magic square. This is only a third order magic square. There are magic squares that get into the hundreds, okay? Very, very complex geometrically arranged patterns of light and sound. But when you connect the numbers, see? When you have the numbers laid out in these magic squares, you simply through uh, different uh, occult, alchemical, mathematical formulas. In this case, you simply connect the numbers from one to nine. And what happens? You create a wave pattern. Whoops. A very specific wave front. That wave front is electrical impulse, is a mathematical program that's going to open up one of these gates of light. So you can communicate with a specific energy, planetary consciousness, in this case, Saturnian 
consciousness. And it is one of these major and minor vortexes that provides the gateway or the pathway to that specific identity. So many secrets today revealed. Look at the, uh, look at the sigils. So the kami of the magical squares, they're mathematical structures that generate wave fronts, standing wave fields, right? They generate what's called approach vectors. Here's a little Dan Winter for you. Of plasma domains indexed by the symmetries found by the placement of numbers, okay? In the cube or the tetra cube, creating an energetic array of wave patterns, more complex sigils. There are magic bridges. They, got, they, they, they connect, they're the gap. They're what they called a bliss-inducing architecture. Through more complex magical squares, you get more complex wave fronts. Look at these angelic names, Archangel Michael, the names of extra metaterrestrial, they're just series of wave fronts, right? The signature, the sigil is the angelic signature, is the pathway through the vortex to get to communicate with that specific identity. And it's all created through these, or many of them are created through these kamias or magical squares. That's how you get the wave front. That's how you get the mathematical thing. It's a process called, it's an array. It's a longitudinal wave. It's called the interocitor. It's a, uh, oh, I was gonna get into a little sci-fi. That's okay. But um, uh, if you can get a chance, watch the movie, This Island Earth. It's on YouTube, This Island Earth. There's a communications device that they, uh, the aliens sent us called an interocitor. How would they know this, right? It's by the revelation of the axes of symmetry defined by cubes, tetracubes, the rotation, the rotational angles of particle spin. Um, you can deduce it from these. There, thereby, this is a little Dan Winter for you. Thereby finding the point of maximum centripetal compression, implosive bicoupling, inviting more harmonic inclusiveness into your life a series of cascading hypercubic plasma impressions are generated. This is called longitudinal interferometry. Again, it's the superimposition of these waves causing these patterns of interference, which are used to, uh, in one way, extract information out from this compression wave. You can't see me now, but I'm holding my hands close together. So what are these what are these angelic names? How are these derived? These are wave fronts. These are interpretations of Keylon codes, of these complex geometrically organized crystallizations of light and sound. And how you can identify them or source them is through the magic squares. You can deduce the of a vocabulary, a lexicon of wave patterns. Some are extremely complex because the intelligence that you're getting in touch with is extremely complex. And you have to go to a higher order of consciousness just to communicate with them. Again, it's the DNA. Everything is encoded in the DNA. Again, 
it's a compression wave. The implosive, the secret of ascension is the coming together of the helixes. One is electric, one is magnetic. One is particle, one is antiparticle. One is matter, one is antimatter. You see these ladder rungs, these hydrogen bonds? Well, for the helixes to come together, they the Red Sea, these hydrogen bonds are red. They present in the red spectrum. They have to separate. Every 23rd angstrom unit, there's a bonding irregularity. For the helix to retain its shape, you have to have these, these hydrogen bonds. These are the ladder rungs, the stairway to heaven. The ascension process is totally dependent on the helixes coming together. So the hydrogen bonds have to separate. They have to break in order for the helixes to fuse together. You see, if you want to escape the bondage of Egypt or slavery to your lower thought forms or your personal Pharaoh, you have to part the Red Sea. The hydrogen bonds have to part so that the helixes can come together, release something called fire codes between the DNA strands that allows the DNA strands to come together, fission and fusion, to create a beautiful ascension element called celestine. That will have to talk itself, uh, talk about at some future time. And we will. I'm going to stop in a few minutes to have questions and answers. But everything is here. Everything is in the DNA. Very, very important to understand. Everything we're talking about, the gates of light. Joseph Gikatilia, the diodes, the crystal diodes, diodic myotic points. What is a diode? It's a two terminal electrical component that conducts a symmetric conductance. See? So you arrange these multiple diodes or structures that function like diodes and myodes. Think black holes, think the true anatomy of stargates black and white whole vortices forming a full wave array. We're talking about the rectification of the bridge. We're talking about the resurrection of Eve. We're talking about everything. We're talking about sympathetic vibratory physics. We're talking about love. We're talking about music in the dinosphere. We're talking about etheric dinospheric force. We're talking about quantum paradigms. We're talking about the luminescence luminiferous ether, we're talking about a platinum crystal hemisphere, thousands of crystal facets, many of them resolved to single atoms. Check this out. This is the work of Janosch. I'm going to, if you leave me your email in the chat, I will give you a whole list of links, sacred geometry and light language links. This is the work of the great Janosch, Janosch, J-A-N-O-S-H. Worked with him for many years, many, many years ago. And in the wake of the, the, the harmonic concordance, he got a lot of information from the Arcturians and others. He was a graphic artist to begin with. So of course they use what you have, your innate intrinsic or your developed gifts, talents and blessings. They gave him all this beautiful work they gave, they, um, <clears throat> they gave him this just incredible, when you look at it, it looks like a combination lock. And you use these symbols, these activators, 
these Arcturian keys, Janos used to call them. You, they're like a combination lock to unlock the time codes. You can see it here. And this is one of the crop circles many, many years ago. Janos did it first, see? If you can project your consciousness into the future, you can access what exists in our future now, all time or simultaneous. Janos got this years before it manifested in the crop fields. Again, like a combination lock. Look at the sun symbols. You can see it's a combination lock. You turn this one, you turn it this way. It's a series of concentric rings, wheels within wheels. You want to open up a time code? You turn this one here, you turn this one here, you turn this one here, you turn this one here. You know the great feeling you get when you open up a combination lock? There's that sense of release. When you get to that last number, ah, and everything opens up. That's what these are. The Mayan, the Aztec, the solar seals, they are combination locks to access time codes, to access timelines, to access potential probable realities. What else do we have? John Worrell Keeley. John Keeley. John Keeley in the in late 1800s, early 1900s, this man had it. John Worrell Keeley, he had the structure. And by the way, I believe that this is the original inspiration for Mickey Mouse. Um, I'm being very, very serious. Walt Disney, the deranged, demented occultist that he was, he knew this information. He was an initiate, but Keeley had it all. John, Wor there are even study groups, I think, on Facebook that get into his work. Look at this. Again, this is his musical chart, by which he claimed to have discovered his etheric force. This is a platinum crystal magnified, I don't know, 65,000 times. He had it. John Worrell Keeley was, and you can't even say that these people were ahead of their time. The truth is they were of their time. Not necessarily ahead of their time. They were of their time. Their time was just right. And so, again, we talk about the... Uh, DNA, the DNA is, 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 is the key. The fractality of the DNA, there are transducers, there are fractal antennas. Every strand of DNA is, a, is what we call a frequency, it's a frequency um, receiver. You can only receive and translate relative to your level of DNA activation. Not only that, the coherence in your DNA, this is where your karma will crystallize also. In your DNA is these black cubic crystals that are going to interfere with the, with the translation of the light and the transduction of the light. And they will keep these, the helix, they will keep the polarized. When you have these karmic miasmic crystallizations here, they don't allow the helix, the helixes to fuse together. They will keep them polarized and they will distort the shape of the helix. So instead of having electromagnetic, magnetic, electric coming together, they will distort the helix so that you have electric, electric, magnetic, magnetic. They will repel each other. The helixes will repel. Remember that when antimatter and matter, particle and antiparticle, come together under optimal conditions, 
it's ascension, yet it's annihilation of one type of body, but it's the recreation of another body, okay? This is what, this is the key. Everybody take a breath. This is it. This is the key. We're gonna talk about this in a minute. Okay, yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. Okay, yes, okay. So again, no, I'm rushing through this a little bit. Healy talked about the divisions and subdivisions of matter. And again, this is beautiful. Remember, this is sourced out of love. These people, aside from being brilliant, they understood the attitudes and etiquette of spiritual mastery. Ultimately, this is all to remind us that love is all there is. Love is the emotional bodies or just very well, maybe the emotional bodies interpretation of a state of vibrational co-resonance. So when you're on the same wavelength, when you feel resonant, you will feel love. That's sympathetic vibratory physics. And the attitudes and etiquette of spiritual mastery, when you feel by understanding this Achilles work, the way matter divides and subdivides to really get into the ultra micro particles, to realize that there is a common core of creation that we all share. That helps bring us into the oneness because without that understanding, all this science and super science and hyper science, it's hollow. It doesn't have any substance, you know? And we understand that also. So in a few minutes, I'll take some questions. And then what we're going to do is we're gonna do a very, very special process that I've been wanting to do. Again, I think people have asked for this for quite a while. It's the, um, the Holy Grail process that I've been promising for quite a while we're going to do, but let's see what else I have for you here. Um, this is Pedro Amaringo. His book, Ayahuasca Visions, is amazing. He was able to really document uh, many of his ayahuasca trips. I mean, look what you can see. Why? Because the active alkaloids, the wave fronts created by the active alkaloids will transmit the chemistry is really a transduction of the electrical wave patterns and the wave fronts, geometrically organized particle grids. And you can reverse engineer them too. There are codes in here that actually you can back engineer and you can replicate a lot of these experience just as by looking at this. But the active alkaloids, the geometry, the standing wave fields created, the wave fronts created by the geometry of the active alkaloids, the chemistry will connect you to these experiences. They will instruct the solar plexus to instruct the glands to create some very, very special secretions, neurohormones, neurochemicals, that will dock into receptor sites in the brain, and you will be privy to what is there in the higher dimensional fields. And this is one of the hallmarks of higher strand DNA activation, perception of the higher dimensional fields. These are ayahuasca visions. Pedro Amaringo is amazing. Look at what you see. But you also got to be prepared for what you may see. Perceiving it 
is not just a uh, uh, objective process. Well, you want to have an engaged attachment. But remember, in the process of perception, you are participating in it. And so knowing the landscape, knowing the territory is a very, very good idea. It doesn't um, compromise the surprise. Look at all the stuff that's there. Worlds within worlds, realities within realities, each one as, as pure as ours. Each one is real as ours or the illusion of reality. This is the, the great Alma drawings, A-L-M-A. If you do a search on the Alma drawings, A-L-M-A, a lot of people already know this. This was an elderly woman who lived outside of Toronto who had an experience with Jesus and a panther, a black panther. One of the secret names of Jesus is Yeshua ben Pantera, son of the panther. Uh, the panther was a, a name given to uh, a Roman archer. He was Phoenician that ultimately became the emperor Augustus, or uh, sorry, um, adopted by the emperor Augustus, who became the, em uh, uh, the emperor of Rome after Augustus, that was known as the panther. And there is our rumors that Jesus is the child of either a rape or a consensual liaison between Mary and this Roman archer who eventually became the emperor of Rome. I can't remember his name escapes me right now, the adopted son of Augustus, which is what, why a lot of people theorize that they put the purple robe and the crown of thorns on Jesus during the, uh, the Via Dolorosa, the walk of uh, pain and shame and sorrow, because they knew that he was a Caesar by birth because the purple robes only to be worn by Caesars and the crown of thorns. There's a great painting in, um, in the museum in Dresden in Germany, where it's Titian, render unto Caesar, what is Caesar's? It's Jesus, but he has his hand behind his back with an open palm. <laughs> yeah, rumors abound. Anyway, she had this experience with Jesus and a panther and her hand started moving and it never stopped till she died. She did these drawings on everything, the toilet, the walls, the bungalow. She just painted everything. This is one of her drawings, completely unconscious, but unconscious, no, hyper, super conscious. In the Keys of Enoch, these would be called the Etav Enayim, writings of the eye. Look at all these little spirals. Uh, Tibetan masters were making tours of the country. They recognized a lot of their deities in these writings. She also, a lot of her drawings give the uh, history of Atlantis a lot of information. I think she was accessing the Dora Torah plates directly. She made thousands of these drawings. Alma, there's even a uh, documentary about her online. It's called, I think it's called Alma, the Alma drawings. Her website is A-L-M-A, A-L-M-A, Alma, okay? Very, very powerful stuff. So again, these, you know, again, are there sigils here? Are there angelic signatures? Yes, these are the bonds. The sigils are the signatures. 
okay? The signatures of, of the archangels, of the meta-ultra terrestrials, they are interpretations, translations of the wave patterns that allow you to connect, to open the portals within you that allow you to connect with that, that, um, that intelligence. What else do we have? Uh, yeah, this is, um, what's your name? Drawing blanks for real people. Um, I'll remember in a minute. All light language, all light language, all of this is light language. Brian DeFlores, this is his uh, Mary Magdalene codes. And it looks um, like a Christmas tree. Well, the Christmas tree, a partially fully activated pineal gland when it's not over calcified and fluoridated looks like a Christmas tree with mainly red and green flashing lights. That is the model for the Christmas tree, an activated pineal gland. Santa Claus comes down the central channel to leave what? The chimney to leave presence, get it? Presence under the tree, presence under the tree. So talking about the pineal gland, we're gonna do the third eye activation very, very soon. Emoto, you know, I talk about Emoto a lot. The most beautiful crystal, when that holds, radiates the most light, is projecting thoughts of forgiveness and gratitude. True forgiveness. You wanna forgive if you feel you've been violated or you've done the violation because of naivete, ignorance, plain stupidity, or worse, forgive yourself, forgive others, make an apo apology. The word apology comes from Apollo, Apollo, which means not many. Apollo means not many. So when you apologize, you are reaffirming the oneness. And with progressive apology, you are placed in a position with progressive apology. Jesus says it, Mary Magdalene, in the Pisces Sophia, you are placed in the position of never having been separated from the oneness, never having been separated from the oneness. Imagine if you become the living vibration of forgiveness and gratitude. Every crystal and micro crystal in your body will be able to hold and radiate this kind of light. That's what we want, to be presence healers, to illuminate just by our sheer presence. Every A lot of people have seen this, Japanese photographer, I don't know who he is. I'd love to find out who he is. He even has the LL. Doctors Hertak will call this the L conversion factor, the 90 degree shift in angular. Remember, it's not just going up in frequency, folks, in the ascension process. You also have to change the angle at which the particles spin. And that takes some work and conscious deliberate process. This is a snowflake. But look, I know the resolution isn't that great. Every time I see this, I get chills. I think in the, in the center of every snowflake is the presence of God, the Shekinah, the Shekinah, the future angel of liberation, right? There is this diva, this elemental. It looks like, like she's sitting on a throne. I think, I mean, male may be the spirit, but it's the female that shapes it. I think in the center of every crystal is this divine feminine presence. 
that gives the structure to every crystal. It's so beautiful, right? And it makes all the sense. And then my all-time favorite, if you don't know what this is already, take a few seconds to make a to make a guess what you think that is. And then we will do the reveal. We're getting in the home stretch and we'll have time for questions. A couple of questions before I do the, the last one. I know a lot of this has come fast and furious. I'm gonna, um, aside from the personal mentorships and groups that I do, I wanna do a special program, getting really, really more into the structure of reality. Because what it does, what I hope it does, it really connects us to the oneness, like the art, like the channeling, like the light language, like Susie's music, like, like, like all your voices, your faces. For some of us, it's a sunrise, a sunset. For some of us, it's a, a child's face, your face. You know, moments of transcendent poignancy. Steiner said in moments of grace, we remember. You can position yourself, can be grace. This is a snowflake also under electron microscope photography. Look at that. It looks like a, an altar. It looks like a stone column, right? Well, this showed us, I showed it, I gave this to Emoto back in 2006. Too bad he really didn't follow up. It shows you that not only our thoughts can influence the growth and shape of crystals, but there's a geometrical architecture. There is a language of light and sound to our thoughts. When you think in divine pictures, you can recreate this geometrical architecture in its perfect harmonic division, in its perfect harmonic ratios. So you don't have to go to these places on the planet. You can create them within your own consciousness. You become the living temple, yeah, the temple in man. And it has been said that when the temple in man woman is recreated, then the temple will be rebuilt. And the Shekinah, the presence of God that has been in exile, the, lo the lost bride, the lost princess, will now return in her radiance. And in instead of being the thing that, 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 um, that bonds us to this world in biological phase lock, you know, that we're born into bondage instead of being the one who binds us she becomes the angel of liberation and liberates matter from its bondage in the lower in the lower worlds. We use these images, we use the study of sacred geometry. The real power is to remind us of the oneness that we do share these beautiful harmonic ratios with all of the natural world and that we connect with the oneness, right? Look at the mandalas. Um, many, many years ago in the 90s, the Tibetans, many lamas who were traveling the country, they went to the State University of New York, I think it's Stony Brook, to the Department of Computer Imaging. And for the first time, they computer image mandalas. They're not flat two-dimensional images. This is what they are when they're computer imaged into three and higher dimensions. They are palaces. They are temples of divine spiritual science. When you meditate on these mandalas, you go inside, man. 
you go inside these beautiful temples of divine light where we had left gifts for each other one day reclaim right beautiful that's what this is beautiful houses of the holy yantras same thing crop circles these aren't simple flat two-dimensional images these are multi-dimensional and they're dynamic and they move look at i'll tell you if you're going to go to uh if you're going to go to the um to granada in spain you better be ready to be in the in this field Islamic Muslim architecture, extremely powerful, complex wave fronts. I've seen people actually running out of the Alhambra, screaming, holding their heads like their heads about to explode. These are extremely powerful. Do not, do not go into these places. Do not go into work studies until certain things until you're ready. Because if you're not ready, it can be very, very damaging. These are very, very powerful wave fronts. As you can see, look at the complexity of these wave fronts, right? I mean, look at the, even Salvador Dali. If you know how to read into light language, if you know how to read in the frequency underneath art, you'll really, really get it. Intrasnet, my CD. The, the net of Indra, Indra's net. This is it, Nivatamsaka Sutra. The image of Indra's net, it's used to describe the interconnectedness of the universe. Francis Cook described Indra's net. In my CD is called The Song of Indra. Get in touch with me and I'll send it to you. Far, I've sold enough of them, it's all free now. Far away in the heavenly abode of the great god Indra, there is a wonderful net which has been hung by some cunning artificer in such a manner that it stretches out infinitely in all directions. And in accordance with the extravagant tastes of deities, the artificer has hung a single glittering jewel in each eye of the net, in each node, the crossing points of the net. And since the net itself is infinite in dimension, the jewels, of course, are infinite in number. So there hang the jewels, glittering like stars of the first magnitude, a wonderful sight to behold. And if we now arbitrarily select one of these jewels for inspection, just one of these jewels for inspection, just one of them for inspection, we will discover that in its polished surface, there are reflected all the other jewels in the net, infinite in number. Not only that, but each of these jewels, each of the jewels reflected in this one jewel is also reflecting all the other jewels. So there's an infinite reflecting process occurring. This is Indra's song. This is the net of Indra. This is the key. This is the key to everything. The E-H-L-I-E group. This is the um, the logo for my band. There's my little thing on it. Nice. Um, meditate on this for a second. This is really, really amazing. Just take a few breaths, and I recommend 
to soften your focus. This is optical pineal induction. This is my band's logo. My band is called Dimension 248. This is the E8LIE group. You soften your focus and slightly cross your eyes. Take a few breaths. It's a very, very old, ancient, very powerful process called optical pineal induction. Sorry, induction. This E8LIE lattice, some people consider this the most beautiful mathematical structure in the world. It's a two-dimensional representation of a third-dimensional representation of a fourth-dimensional projection of an eighth-dimensional object. This contains eight spatial dimensions with 248 symmetrical points. A formula is encoded in this symbol to describe the shapes of all symmetrical objects. It is felt that this E8LIE describes the most complex structures in the universe. It took four years, 18 mathematicians using to plot this, using a supercomputer, when all I had to do was look at the gates of light, look at Joseph Gikatilia's work, look at the early Kabbalistic works, it's there. It's there just like this, 248 points. Take a few more seconds and then we're gonna, we're gonna end. And then we're going to take some questions and then we're going to do the special Holy Grail process that I've been promising for the longest time. One hundred and forty eight. Two hundred and forty eight symmetrical points. We're going to move on to this again, slightly cross your eyes. This is the 12 gates of revelation, me and Preston Hunt. We've been working on this for a very, very long time. Knowing the colors, knowing the geometrian values, the alphanumeric substitution codes, the very, very deep uh, codes embedded in the Hebrew language and all the sacred languages, their numerical equivalents, the geometries involved. We believe that we believe that these are the wave, these generate the electrical impulse, the wave patterns that will ultimately open up the 12 gates of revelation, which are 12 vortexes in the body and outside the body that allow the full Christos to come in. It's a work in progress. We are works in progress. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes time. I'm very, the truth is I'm very old school about these things. People have to be brought on very, very carefully into these mentorships. We're trying to do in a matter of years, which used to take lifetimes or a lifetime in an ascension school, 
where your whole life was devoted to this, whatever you were doing, you were still in this work. 12 Gates of Revelation. This is extremely powerful work. I'm not going to hold on to this too long. But just to show you, we all have this encoded within us. The memory is in our DNA, is in our DNA. Take a few more minutes, a few more seconds, really. And we're back. Take a few breaths. You've got to go visit Dan, Dan Wind. You've got to go visit Dan in the south of France. You've got to be prepared to go skinny dipping if you visit Dan. You take it to the water hole, but then you're going to have to strip. You don't have to. I was a little reticent, I admit. But then again, are you among friends? Not a problem. So take a few breaths. Let's see, did I leave anything out? I don't think so. So all this, I went through some of these sections really fast. How much time? Eight, wow, Jesus Christ. Almost two hours. Oh, no. Well, there were a lot of announcements and everything. So I've really gone only about an hour and 20 minutes, which was what I was planning to do, <laughs> you know. About it. But hour. I do want to, if it's okay, uh, yeah. Sheila, do you have anything um, you want to say before uh, we stop the recording? Or does anybody have any? I can take a couple of quick questions. But please contact me. I'm going to put my email in the chat now if you want more on this programs i'm coming up with mentorships one-on-one -on -one small groups uh, if you want a catalog of all the stuff i teach the sessions i do anything just just email me and i'm going to um put your email into the chat i have most of yours already but i'll copy and paste the uh the chat. But if you have any questions, now would be the time I can take a couple of quickies. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things I think that we'll do is we'll go ahead and end before we do the questions. And then you can also do your um, meditation. Okay. But I was just going to say that you know, no matter how many times I hear you, I always learn something. And I want to thank you for such a beautiful and informative program tonight. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. So what I'm it's going my joy, I tell you, at any time that you know what you're here to do, it's just a blessing, you know. It may change, the contract may change. I think even with the mentorships, you know, um, I don't know what I'll be doing a year from now. I just uh 
I don't, I got a galley proof. I got, you know, Alan Stein, Alan's new book, Alan Steinfeld. I got the, um, the galley proof of the new one. Have you seen it? Making out with ETs. Have you seen this one? Hey, wait, Deb, did you read my book? Making out with ETs. That's Alan's <laughs> next book. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful thing to be of service and, uh, to be of dedicated and sincere service. That's one of the great, great definitions of success. Find something that you'll be of the greatest, most sincere and dedicated service to the most people. And that's real success. Beautiful, um, beautiful. Yeah. So Phil, thanks again for being here. Uh, tonight, we're just kind of practicing for what we're getting ready to start. And, the format that we're going to be following from here on out. So what I'd like to do is thank everyone for being here with us. And until we are together again next week, namaste. So now wait a minute, don't end the call, Sheila. No, no, I'm going to yeah, stop. Just recording. end the recording, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great.